Constellation. 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 Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast. I am Alexa. I am Ambrosia. Hi, everybody. And we are so excited to be here with a new guest, another Chandler. We've had a couple, we've had, we've already had one Chandler, but this is the second Chandler, Chandler Guzman, a reader and spiritual consultant who is an avid futurist researcher. Welcome Chandler to the show. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. It's a good Wednesday. Yeah, totally. Um, I so again, you're someone who we came across on TikTok, and it's been really cool having people on here from TikTok because I think that that's the great thing about TikTok is like um, it really allows people to share innovative thoughts and ideas that other people might not have like been interacting with or like encountered before. And that's what happened with you. You were sharing a really interesting idea about uh, the future or about social media and feeling like we're real people. And we can get into that in a bit. But um, yeah, it's really great to have you here. And we're really excited to dive into all of that. But before we do, because we do this with everyone who's new to the podcast, would love if you would share a little bit more about your background and how you got to be doing what you do now. For sure. For sure. But also, yeah, I completely agree on the TikTok point. It's algorithm. We'll probably talk about it to some extra extent, but it is really interesting. The community that I've found on TikTok has genuinely changed my perception of social media. I have found so many cool people. I've made so many friends, but I'll stop hyping it up for a second because <laughs> um, I really do love it. I do. I do really enjoy it. Um, but as far as my background, um, I'm from California. Uh, my mom and me are kind of just a little bit of a duo and my introduction to kind of this whole entire world kind of just stems from a little bit of a non-traditional, I guess, upbringing when it came to quote unquote religion and like spirituality. Um, my mom kind of only had like one requirement and it was just that I explore a spiritual foundation to some degree. Um, she wasn't like hard pressed on me learning any specific religion. She just wanted me to figure out how to have a connection to something. Mm -hmm. And I always, like, I consistently thank her. We were talking about this the other day, but it's like the one perfect thing that I think that ever, you know, went on in my life. Cause I just kind of ran with it. So she was raised Catholic and she researched many different religions and was just trying to find the one that would benefit I guess, intellectualism the most, or just would push me 
to explore. And she kind of settled in Methodism or uh, the Methodist church, I should say. And as a child, um, I did like my first communion, all like the very cute stuff. And I was very lucky. And I'm now understanding a little bit more as an adult how lucky I was to have the people and the teachers that I did. Um, Because again, they weren't necessarily like very religiously focused. They were again, were a lot more concerned that each of us as children were kind of building our own spiritual backbone. And it kind of opened this whole entire world for me. Um, Of course, it all kind of started within Christianity to some degree, I think for a lot of people. Um, And I know that I'm of like a very small minority of people who have a positive experience and was able to grow and build upon it. Um, But going from there, as I got older, my mom just kind of pushed me to really explore, explore any type of religion, to understand what the religions brought to people, to understand how their theistic approach could benefit my life and how I could benefit theirs um, and just really build this reciprocal relationship. So then I got to college um, and by at that point, my family had already been kind of involved in tarot to some degree. I'm a generational tarot reader. Um, and I'd always kind of had this very eclectic upbringing. That's kind of the best way to describe it. So when I got to college, um, I told my mom, I wasn't all that sure if I was going to go to college, but I told my mom, Hey, by the way, if I go to college, I'm going to get, you know, a, a minor or a double major in religious studies. Um, and she's like, I'll take it as long as you're not a monk and you give me grandchildren, I'm happy with it. Um, but we had a very serious conversation about it. She's like, I'm okay. You don't need to give me grandchildren. You know, I understand the path, but (laughs) we moved past it. And then within my religious studies, um, everything kind of doubled in on itself. Um, I kind of was exposed to academia of religion and really viewing religion as like this social thing and seeing how it interacted and how it either bettered communities or took away from communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of always uh, tell people that I I love the bastardization a little bit just because I think it's so interesting that you can take something that can be so pure and how it is manifested in this kind of negative way in humanity. Um, but going from that, I kind of just ran on this concept of like early Christian mystics. And it started with my fascination of the Gnostics, the contemplatives, the desert mystics. And the one thing that I kind of preach consistently um, is that I really do believe in the practice of mysticism. I think that it is one of the most lost art forms within any spiritual practice. Um, sadly, a lot of times religion excludes it to some degree and or hides it or is a part of the practice to hide it. Um, but for me, that mystic practice and really working on that connection, that direct connection, that effective connection that you feel um, that you have to put in the work for, that you like meditate for, that you, you, know, you do the studying and the learning, that I love. Um, so now I just kind of hobby study because um, I'm not finished with my degree yet. But yeah, I just kind of vibe around this and I took all that learning and kind of applied it to tarot. And I think that a lot of times tarot gains this misconception that it is meant to read the future. And that's where futurism came in. Um, Mm. (laughs) So I always tell people my job is not to read the future. It's to help you build the future that you want. Um, I love that. 
and to really help people kind of understand that you have autonomy, either within your spiritual life, your physical life, or whatever life you choose to build. Um, And ultimately, at the end of the day, I think helping people see what they can do for themselves helps them learn what they can do for the world. Um, And that is kind of my end goal. I just hope that people can see that through being really optimistic and finding options um, and finding good options and mm-hmm. telling people like you got options. Yeah. Um, it, it changes, in my opinion, it's changed my life and it's helped me become the person that I want to be. So I just hope to give people, I guess, a little bit of like a light in terms of you got options and we can talk about them and we can workshop them. And now we're here and <laughs> now I'm talking <laughs> to you guys. So very full circle. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions for you. I love this. Um, okay. So my first question is what are your thoughts on like the, the, I don't know how to word this, so I'm not going to word it well, but bear with me. You studied like various types of religion and you talked about the, um, the biases or like the, um, I forget what word you use, but I'm curious to see if you notice that in the spiritual community um, as compared to like the religious communities. Yeah. So that slight bastardization. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. So (laughs) I, it's kind of my favorite topic. It's like my guilty indulgence. It's my guilty pleasure when it comes to spirituality and religion, because I think that it's very interesting how things can go wrong. And it points us to a lot of what we can figure out to do. Right. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of those bastardizations, especially in the spiritual community, kind of show themselves as like, I'm trying to remember not also the butcher the word, so don't worry, I feel you on this topic, but um, spiritual bypassing. Yes. We don't love a spiritual bypassing. It has to all be positive all the time. Yeah. And I think that's why I kind of like speaking about the bastardizations that we notice, or at least not even to that like really harsh extent, but just like where things can go a little bit tipsy turvy. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, Mm -hmm. but it's spiritual bypassing. You get a lot of like offshoot groups. You get a lot of people who are more concerned about like the icon and then you see cults start to form. Yes. Um, and that was a really, really big part of Los Angeles. I always kind of reference once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, Cause that was like a huge era of Los Angeles. My mom grew up in that era of Los Angeles and growing up, she would always tell me, I don't care what you do. Only thing, don't join a cult. And I was like, okay, mom, <laughs> she dropped me off at college. It wasn't don't party, don't do drugs. It was don't join a don't cult. Join a cult. <laughs> well, I mean, that's really like, honest, like it's funny, but that's really the time frame and like yeah. really what happens to a lot of people. And unfortunately, I, I've known people personally that have been in cults. And I think yeah. that, that it's something that we think like could never happen to us, but it absolutely could. I feel like it's happening even more now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's people, it's being disguised as community or spirituality or Mm -hmm. even like business or something like that. Or I think that a lot of people put the power outside of themselves. Chandler, I'd love your opinion on this because this was my second question for you. But I think that when you have... um, when you take your heightened intuition, right. And you use it in a business, like being psychic, for example, or um, a consultant, a spiritual advisor, 
I feel like people then start to put the power outside of themselves. And that's when your ego as the spiritual consultant can get out of control and you can have a, a God complex. What are your thoughts on that? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's yeah. why I try to highlight mysticism as much as possible mm-hmm. because it almost solely exists with your personal experience and your personal work in whatever, you know, you choose to work on spiritually. Um, And the reason I think that I gravitated towards it so much is because so much of that literature and that like early quote unquote academic work that a lot of early Christians did, it was so focused on the study and what happens spiritually to you when you do that study and Mm -hmm. when you remove the ego from your spiritual practice and when you're involved in asceticism. So that's where the desert mystics come in. It's like you are without food, you're without water, you're going through this really mindful and limited experience. So you're isolated from your human experience and you're isolated from that ego and you're pushed, you're pushed to meet what is, whatever is happening here, whatever is happening here. Mm. Um, And I think it's so attractive to so many people to have that omniscient or omnipotent power. Um, and that's where things go wrong. But again, pushing this concept of focus on your experience, focus on your experience and what you want to get out of this and what you hope to build as a relationship. Focus on that. At the end of the day, I can only be, you know, a friend, honestly, like, honestly, I can only really be that. Um, And also, this is the issue with religion and I think spirituality is that we have like this lingering effect of really widespread religion that is like, don't question the church. Don't question it. Don't ask questions. Don't explore. Take it and run with it. Um, But then again, spirituality and a lot of like these offshoots, they go, don't question me. You don't question religion. But all this like early religious work, all these like academics, all these people who were monks, um, who did like the super weird spiritual out and, you know, the boonies type of stuff. Um, They were focused on what happens when you think and when you ask questions and when you ask whatever you believe in, what happens. Um, And it comes through that eagerness. And I guess I should be careful with that word because there is a lot of writing as well that is like, hey, don't, you know, get too into the intellectualism Um, because at the end of the day, it's about what you feel and what you do with that feeling. Um, But again, yeah, just ask questions, be critical about absolutely everything, spirituality included. I honestly just tell people spirituality gets better the more questions you ask because then you explore yourself, you explore outside yourself. And you just kind of start building, building blocks and you're never going to get worse by asking questions. I love that. I love that so much. And I think that, so one of the things Alexa and I do is we teach people how to trust their intuition and how to like really hone that. And one of the things that people always ask is what if I'm wrong? And we tell people you will be hundred percent. You're going to be wrong because you were human. You were having a human experience. And I think that's the misconception that people have is that once I, um, really tap into my intuition. Once I really start to hear um, my ancestors, my guides, whatever you believe in, my angels, whatever you believe in, then I can't get it wrong. And they're missing the whole point is that you will get it wrong because we still are in this human body. Mm-hmm. I, I always, I 
I always think, Ambie, you're like the best example. Not to say you're wrong, but I not at all. What are we saying here, Alexa? No, 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 no. I just wanted to preface this so it didn't sound like I was going down that road. But like, I think a lot of people look at Ambrosia, who's been a psychic medium since she was a kid, a baby, basically, and you know had 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 the opposite of experience of me, where it was like didn't know how to turn it off, type of thing. and think, oh, she must have, since she can just tap in at any time, she must be just like checking this box off and doing that. And just, you know, she must just have like the, and and in actuality. All the answers. Yeah, all the answers and just be on the fast track to, and sometimes she is, but also Ambie will be the first to admit, she's, she will say, I know what I'm being told and I'm not going to do it because <laughs> My human is saying I'm not ready for that or like I'm, I can't process that right now. Or, and I think it's a really power because we've been talking here about like the ego of humanness and the mysticism, right? And how like, but ultimately we're in our human bodies and like that's mm-hmm. just the reality. It's, it's yeah. we can be spiritual all we want, but we also are humans. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap when they first discover their spirituality. I know that I did where it was like, oh, I'm spiritual now. So like, I shouldn't want to read celebrity gossip. I shouldn't want to, you know, like I'm spiritual. Yeah, and I'm that, spiritual. I'm better than Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that really limits your human experience because ultimately at the end of the day, you find out, oh, I'm here to be a human in this body just to uh, live it out fully and have a greater awareness of like what's, what's really going on here or like that's my perspective at least what do you think I agree. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe i'm beating a dead horse but i i absolutely agree i mean i think also spirituality puts a lot of pressure on people it puts this really unattainable standard to yes. again be unhuman yeah and Again, the whole point is that we're here in this physical vessel. And I used to be somebody who really resented being a body that really, it took me, a, it took me a while. It definitely took me a while to not resent not being able to detach. Mm. And it took a lot of like, honestly, just like sitting with it and just trying to understand what about being a human I resented. And I think the biggest part was just, I couldn't leave I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't have, or I couldn't access certain things in this body or that I was messing up. And it just became this really negative cycle um, of, you know, again, you know better, but I'm not going to do it. And eventually I just kind of had to get to the point where I was like, okay, and (laughs) like, who's going to punish me here? Um, Again, you define what your spirituality looks like. And I was reading um, one night and I remember this really specific passage and it was from like, um, I think it was from Dionysus or something, I forget, Mm -hmm. but it was basically, you will be held accountable for the time um, that you're given. And I think it was the first time that I ever kind of separated judging myself from, Mm -hmm. wait, I'm just given this gift. I'm given this gift of living. I'm given this gift of time. Right. Why would I punish myself right now? Mm-hmm. Right. Why am I judging myself preemptively? Yeah. Because I don't know what is coming for me. I don't know any of this stuff. And I think that there then comes this like awe of ignorance, but the beauty of ignorance, where it's like, I don't know. I don't know 
I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but I don't oh, know. yeah, you're allowed to cuss. Okay, I don't know shit. Yeah. I don't know shit. And it's like, okay, okay, now that I don't know anything, I'm a baby in the cosmic universe. I'm running around. Um, let me just see what where this gets me. Um, and let's see if maybe if I stop being so hard on myself or stop, you know, trying to punch myself for not being the most spiritual, the most goop. I always kind of <laughs> Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause I'm never going to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, my path on this earth is never going to be that because that's not why I'm here. Um, so I think it, it's a lot of unlearning. It's a lot of unlearning. And I think ultimately helping people kind of find those distinctions, because we're all going to have very different distinctions that are going to open us up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just what it was for me, but somebody else can have a completely different thing that they're working on. Um, and I just think like removing a lot of that guilt, because guilt keeps us in that mindset of like, I can't do, or I can't be, or, you know, it's just not serving anything. It's not doing anything. My partner and I pretty consistently talk about like, what is the function of guilt and shame? Like, what is the, what does it do? Yeah. Um, and we kind of just come to the same point every single time. Like it points out a lesson to you and then you move on and try and figure it out. Like, yeah. but you don't sit with it and you don't hate yourself for it. Um, Cause again, like, what is that serving? You're just mm-hmm. sitting there. You're now stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it like rots in your body and it becomes something else in my opinion. But um, yeah, I just think that you just got to give yourself a little bit of leniency, give yourself a little bit of grace, obviously. Like I think that there's something really interesting. Interesting. I was listening to one of your past episodes and I forget, I think it was you Ambrosia who was discussing, I think you were channeling um, crush consciousness. And it's, I remember you saying something really specific about he was so human and like that exactly that is exactly yeah. it, in my opinion. You're supposed to feel human. The experience of spirituality is not supposed to be godly because it's yeah. not, that's not where you're, you're at. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be human. Yeah. Uh, Christ consciousness in that experience is supposed to feel the most like normal thing in the whole entire world to you. Because um, that is what he, I guess, kind of anticipated or hoped that people would kind of get. It's like, you're human that is okay. You're going to mess up and keep it chugging. Like <laughs> I got to tell you that episode really messed with me because mm-hmm. I was so worried about pissing people off mm-hmm. because it was so unexpected of how he presented to me that I was like, <laughs> I'm going to make so many people angry with this no. <laughs> because they, it was that he was so relaxed and chill and hundred percent bisexual that I was like, Oh, people are going to be pissed about this one, or they're going to be really cool about it. Like it's going to go one of two ways today, but yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting experience for me. Cause I was like, wow, this is like, um, an idea or an image or a being that I was nervous about speaking with because I didn't feel worthy. Yeah. Right. And then when it happened, it was, oh, this is nothing. Like this is okay. Like this is cool. We're good. So it was really um, I love what you just said about that. So thank you for that reflection. And thank you. Cause like I've been thinking about that. It was it became a brain worm for me. Like it it sat and I was like, wait, oh shoot. Like it's supposed to be very chill. It's supposed to be very normal. Like it honestly changed. I was feeling guilty about something the other day. Maybe that's why I'm talking about it, but um 
I remember being like, wait, no, 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 no. I think that there is one thing. I think it was like, just chill. That's yeah. the only really truly thing. Be accountable to yourself and just, you know, chill. But yeah, I'm. thank you for it. I really, I was impacted from it. So Aww. thank you. Thank you. Chandler, um, I would love if you would talk a little bit about the TikTok that I messaged you about, the one about, actually, wait, before that, can we talk about, I know that you mentioned a little bit of like how you, where the futurism comes into, you know, your spirituality and all of that, but how would you define futurism? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Cause there is a lot of misinterpretations or like, I kind of preface any time that I talk about like post-humanism, futurism, anything in that world of like cybernetics, um, and I'm just, I'll define cybernetics really briefly, but cybernetics is any interest or any study into the relationship of technology and humans or the animal and the machine. Um, so anytime that I talk about it, I always kind of give people the preface of like, there's a big reason that I talk about this. And the biggest reason that I talk about it is because I want more people, more femmes, more people of color, more marginalized communities being involved in this topic because this was topic, this was a topic predominantly spearheaded by white men in very academic and high up spaces. Mm -hmm. And it's now, we are now dealing with the repercussions of that. Um, for example, like the reason why data is so biased and why search engines are so biased because they were made by white men it's a very specific mindset, but to define futurism, because there is, it's more classically defined as something concerning like art. It's, it's kind of, kind of held adjacent to like modernism or like stuff like that. But the way that I define it is that somebody who is researching into the potentialities of anything. And I kind of apply and use that anything very generally so I apply, okay, I'm looking at the potentials in the future prospects and kind of turning speculation and speculating on the future into a practice. Um, so most people, when discussing futurism, they're discussing like the future of tech. So that's mm -hmm. one method. Um, a lot of people, when discussing futurism, they're talking about the future of social movements. Um, that's one angle. Um, but again, somebody who is more acquainted with the term kind of uses it as trend forecasting, which I'm very confused by personally, because <laughs> it, it just feels like such a deduction or a reduction. Yeah. Um, but in, again, like the way that I use it is to spend more time critically thinking about what our futures can look like and how we involve ourselves in those futures. And I think obviously the more I don't know, normal way to do that is to discuss technology. And I definitely get my kicks off doing that as well. Um, but it hit me, I think, at some point in the past, wait, this is a really cool way to approach spirituality. This mm -hmm. is a really great way to approach, especially what I do um, concerning tarot and like helping people in the concept of like, wait, if we slow down and start critically thinking about how we are invested in our own lives and in collective futures, that is so much more helpful. That is yeah. so much more helpful than just going, okay, I just want a reading, give me a general reading. Yeah. Um, and now we're discussing like, okay, finances are cool in this area and like, cool, cool, cool. You're going to meet a cool dude. Um, <laughs> but again, like 
I started finding that so many of my readings started to push in the direction of like, wait, I see like really strong aspects of yourself manifesting in this area. Mm-hmm. And wait, how do we get there? Like, how do we plan steps? Because I'm, I'm very, I'm bad with emotions. So I, I, I need everything to be super like, just concrete. Practical. And yeah, what, I need things to be practical. What's your sign? <laughs> I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. Oh, I was going to say Capricorn. <laughs> oh, dang, okay. you yeah. said it. What's yeah. your rising? I'm a Gemini rising. And what's your moon? I'm a Taurus moon. Okay, I was going to say, because like yeah. I'm a, I, like the earthiness in, in there. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. I yeah. know the minute that I say it, you're like, oh, okay. You yeah, saw yeah. It. yeah, I get you. <laughs> um, I get you. <laughs> but yeah, once you start like breaking stuff up and you actually start yeah. building these really like concrete steps, you then realize, wait, this like super obscene thing that I never thought that I was capable of. I now have very actionable items to get there. And then I was like, wait, shit, what if we do that for like everybody? <laughs> everybody does it. Everybody gets a reading. Society gets a reading. Um, <laughs> and then we have like very practical ways to get to a much more ideal future. Um, and that's what we were talking about, Alexa, previous of like, what happens when we start speculating and being futurists, our own futurists, mm. with these really great and optimistic ideas. Because obviously, like, y'all know what's been going on. The world yeah. is a very, it's an intense experience. It's an intense time. Um, good way to say it. I like that. Yeah. And I remember 2020, everybody just kind of going through this, like, collective mourning. Mm. Um, and I completely understand the pessimism that it pushes into people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard in any way to feel optimistic about anything. Like I remember having like a breakdown and like crying to my friends being like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, do I just pull out? Do I just not do this? Do I, yeah. what do I, do I just go on with my life? Like, and then finally, I think it was either my mom or my aunt, somebody saying like, Chandler, you either do something good or you don't. Like it's, <laughs> so much of my life is like, <laughs> you do or you don't. But again, like what bad is going to come from thinking positively? Mm-hmm. Um, be realistic, acknowledge the issues, but be optimistic. Um, Cause nothing bad is ultimately going to come from shooting for something good. Yeah. Love that. I, I really, <laughs> I, I really think you, <laughs> you should connect with the other Chandler because she has the same, outlook about specifically climate she's a climate scientist so specifically about climate change because that's one of the topics that is there's so much doom right there's so much it's like so much doom lately about so many things that it's like overwhelming especially and I and I mean this with love but especially in the spiritual community I've heard like at least five times the end of the world on this specific date or that you have to prep for the end of times. And like, I'm going to say this right now, that if the end of the world happens, I'm not prepping. Like, I just take me out because <laughs> honestly, this is not like survival of the fittest. Like, I just, why are we trying to survive in a post-apocalyptic world? I'm done. Okay. That's it. This is fine. That <laughs> is not the worst thing. <laughs> Literally. That is. Yeah. Uh, it's like, like not encouraging we- anybody to do yes. anything, by the way. I'm not encouraging anybody to unalive themselves or anything like that. Please no. don't take that. Well, I think but- I think what you're saying though is it's it's a really it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. It's like, okay, if any of these things really are going to happen, right. 
what am I going to do to counteract that? I can't counteract the force of the universe like in that way, right? So there's no real point in worrying because that's just a waste of energy. But Chandler, what you're saying is like, it's it's almost the excitement of innovation. It's the excitement of thinking outside the box. It's the excitement of creativity. And I think that really deeply relates to spirituality because that what do we learn once we get, you know, get on to our spiritual journey? It's like you're the creator. Like you are mm-hmm. the creator of everything around you, of your life. Every decision can change. You know, it's the butterfly sense. effect. Yeah. yeah, everything can change, but it's you have it has to start with you. So I think that we need so many more voices and people like you who are saying like, wait, like you're bringing so much exciting energy to it. It's like, hold on, what if we thought about it this way and this way and this way? And I think it gets people more creative. And um, and I agree, like what if 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 it really is all going to end anyway, let's say, yeah, what? Why not shoot for the moon? Like, why yeah. not? You know, hail Mary. Uh, <laughs> one of my family friends was like, "You're just a fatalist. Like, you're just accepting the worst." I'm like, "No, that is not what I'm doing." Yeah, I there's a difference between accepting the worst and just being accepting of the situation. Like, yeah. And you kind of, I needed to get to a point, and I I needed to get to a point where I was like, you know what, Mother, she's going to do what she's going to do, whether we're on this planet or not. We're just animals. We're just yeah, we're not going to stop her. Literally, like yeah. yes, it caused a lot of net damage, a lot, but and that is undeniable. And what will happen in humans continually? What will we continue to hurt? But at the end of the day, who's who's going? It's it's not Mother Earth. And I need to understand. Ultimately, we live blips of experiences. Literally, like not even a pinprick of existence. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We can't, we take on this role, especially as humans, and we take on this role of like, we need to fix everything. And it becomes ego and that ego gets in there. And I remember having to be like, Chandler, you're not going to single-handedly do anything ever. Like the only hope that you can really, really do is just hopefully connect with as many people as possible and make it worthwhile to as many people as possible. Um, But no, it's, again, like, it's a gift. It's a, it's a, it is a privilege and a gift to be optimistic. Absolutely. Do you want to, um, just going back to the TikTok, do you want to share a little bit about that about, because social media, right, is such a big influence in our lives today. It's such, it's, it's such a powerful force. It's such a powerful tool and so many amazing things happen through social media. And it's also can be the opposite of that. And it can be very, it just depends how you want to use it. Right. So, um, do you want to share a little bit about what that TikTok was about and, and your perspective on that? Cause I think it's really interesting. Um, and for sure. So, I'll kind of preface it with, I draw a lot of parallels between technology um, and spirituality. Um, I've kind of found that that is my intersection. And the reason that I find it as my intersection, it all kind of started again, Tara. Um, Someone once asked me like, how are you experiencing Tara? What are you experiencing? And then I said, honestly, I feel like a modem. Like I feel, I don't feel as if I'm only reading the cards, I feel as if I am being a conduit to some degree. Um, And I feel like I'm just trying to interpret 
whatever analog experience or analog concept that is coming from whatever spirit or team or entity, and I'm interpreting it for you. So again, I have to make everything concrete and make it really applicable. And I then started kind of like running with this idea of, ooh, maybe I'm a modem. And like, what are the other parallels of my spiritual life and technology? And once I really started to get into it, it just, it became like this really large, um, I don't know, just like theme or like interest. So when it came to social media specifically, um, my, what I do day to day, like my nine to five, I work in film. So I work in media. Um, I majored in new media. Um, so like my formal education per se is in like new media. So AR, VR, immersive realities, and a lot of learning about that came from learning about theory, discussing where are we now that we have mm-hmm. technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people took that TikTok in specific. And for anybody who obviously didn't see it, um, just my general stance was like, okay, well, how do I view myself if I am not putting myself online? Or where is the implication of my humanhood or my personhood? Um, because there's so many people who are offline, but so many people who are online and construct their whole realities from social media, you know, good and bad, even if you admit to it or not. Um, And I had posed a little bit of the question of like, okay, well, if I don't post myself on social media, am I like the tree in the forest who fell and nobody heard? And it like hit me a little bit weird because I was like, ooh, mm, that's not healthy. (laughs) But it was a very valid question, I think. And it, in my experience of my education, I had seen so many of my professors so willing, so willing to like give over to this like cybernetic, like being this giant monolith of like technology. And it's like, shoot me up into the weird technological ether. And I was like, I don't know if I agree or align with that per se. Um, so I've always had this like conflict of like, where, where do I exist? Um, and eventually it kind of came to the point of like, there are going to be multiple iterations of me, um, whether you're looking at that in some weird timeline way, or I'm looking at that in like this very real grounded way. So I have multiple avatars. I have multiple identities. I have multiple things that represent me on the internet whether that be a profile, whether that be an avatar, whether that be a story, like I view everything as a separate being and I kind of let it be separate because that's the only healthy way for me to interact with it um, because of like the information that I've now been given about how fine of a line digital identities are with physical identities because the way in which we construct those identities is very similar. We've now almost completely copied the process for your online identities and social media. And I think a lot of people, when they heard that, there was a lot of resistance. There was a lot of people being like, well, I don't do that. Or what was the other one? It was a lot of, oh, but I don't do that. That sounds unhealthy or like touch grass. (laughs) And I was like, no, 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 no. That's, That's not what I'm saying. Like I'm saying that regardless of what you believe or whatever relationship you have, it is out of your hands at this point. We are at a point in evolution or like in social evolution where you exist as multiple beings. Mm. And 
it is either you're aware of it or you're not aware of it. And all I'm trying to do is maybe let's get you aware of this concept so that Mm -hmm. you or potential generations don't feel as much of that fragmentation. Because again, I also was like, a lot of the video was me discussing, wait, I'm a little bit concerned for future generations in this topic because I didn't grow up with a lot of social media or technology. Like my mom was definitely a naturalist in that sense. Like I didn't grow up with video games. I didn't necessarily grow up with computers. I mean, I did, but it wasn't to the extent that a lot of my friends did. My mom was a lot more like, use your imagination, read. (laughs) Um, And I'm grateful for it because again, like I now have that distinction, that separation, but a lot of children in the future, they're going to grow up with iPhones and iPads and like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just their identity formation is going to be impacted by that. Like no matter how, no matter how you put it, they're going to form identity in a very different way from us. And that, and for context, my mother's a preschool teacher. So I, I grew up very involved with children (laughs) and always kind of thinking or or trying to view life through the lens of a child. Um, And obviously it's very, very important because that is how we kind of predict where life and society goes. Um, But it, it made me super, super concerned because I ultimately saw generations of children through her school that I saw, wait, they're becoming so much more withdrawn so much more withdrawn so much more like I didn't see as much of like the creative play or like the independence and like running around like they weren't excited to be touching and and, and, and feeling life they were much more concerned if there was an ability to like use a screen and again certain pros certain cons I it just I view or I personally believe that we should start discussing these ethical dilemmas before they get out of hand and while we can. Um, Because again, I don't want there to be like a 13 year old who's going through puberty, figuring out life and goes, wait, I don't know who I am now because now we have augmented reality. I live in a mixed reality and now I'm in this like strange psychosis where I can't place myself. Yeah. Um, Mm. Or you you lose like authority over yourself, <laughs> like like your identity, like you're talking about. And actually, this I, as I was looking through your TikToks earlier, I was I was binging all your TikToks going pretty far back, I think. But because it was just so interesting, like you you have so many interesting things to say. And one of the TikToks that you had um, was about like very specific opinions or like hot takes that you had, which I love. I love I love that, especially from intelligent people. I love like hearing stuff like that. But one of the ones you said, I was like, oh, my God, that is such a good way to say it. And I was just talking about this. You said convenience is the death of the human spirit. And I really, we were just taught on the last episode we just recorded, which is yesterday. I had just, I, I was just in Amsterdam for a little vacation with my friends and my husband. And I was talking about how, you know, the thing about, because I studied abroad there. And the mm-hmm. thing about Amsterdam is when I lit, when I studied abroad there, I was never as happy as I was there. And I kept asking why, why what is it about this place? And I think after going back a couple times and after having recently gone back, remembering and realizing is like, it's actually a much less convenient society in a lot of ways. And 
everyone bikes everywhere, everywhere. Like that is the main way you get around. So like you're constantly moving your body. You're constantly having to look around and like work the system. And you're not, even when we drive cars here, we're still on our phones. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, we're not even fully paying attention to the road, but there it's like, you are in it and you are out in the fresh air and you are, you got to pay attention to what's going on. And, um, but I was explaining how, you know, one of the best parts about the trip is like, Oh my God, there are so many times someone blew a tire, like someone's mm-hmm. bike seat broke, someone, my, my bike seat had to like, was killing me and we had to figure out a solution. And that was actually the best part. Like that made me feel, I felt alive. I felt like yeah. this is what it is. Like having to, to work together and come up with creative, speaking of creative solutions, come up with creative solutions. And I really, was a bit sad to come back to the States and come back to all of the convenience because I immediately noticed a significant decrease to my joy. Yeah. And so, and just one other thing is that I all, I'm really passionate about talking about this personally, as I've said in this podcast a million times, but I feel like today's people, especially younger generations. Speaking of like readings and they're like, does this boy like me? Or like, what's gonna, like whenever I do readings on TikTok, that is like the number one, what's, what's going to happen with my crush? And I'm like, yeah. should I ask my crush out? I, you don't yeah. need to ask me that. You, you should just, if you want to, you should just do it. Because guess what? We all had to do that without psychics in the past. And you don't need a psychic for that. You don't need an intuitive for that. You need to just do what you want to do. And I was like lecturing my live the other day and I was saying like, listen, I understand that you all want to make sure that you're in the safest box possible and you don't want to do anything that's going to put you in any vulnerability or risk because you think that's bad. But I promise you, if you do that and you make your world this big because you don't want to have any negative experience, you will feel safe for about five seconds and then you will be depressed because there's what can happen here? What can happen? Nothing happens there. It's safe and that's it. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's that's my rant. I'm just really passionate about that and the way that you said it. Convenience is the death of the human spirit. I just... I really love that. So I would love if if you wanted to expound upon that at all from your perspective. I mean, it's kind of like, I look at it as like the the mega first world world problem. I remember hearing that for the first time and being like, oh, this brings on a whole new set of issues that most humans, or at least in the timeline of evolution, We've never really, we're now just starting to deal with these issues of convenience. Mm-hmm. And I, I hate that I don't have the statistic right in front of me. And I, I, I really, I hate when I do that, but there's a pretty significant stat, or at least what I think so, that in first world countries, there's a larger development of mental health diagnoses for many different reasons, for many different reasons. There can be a lot of difference in awareness. There can be a lot of difference in access, um, a lot of difference in uh, healthcare. But ultimately, you're seeing this really large trend of a lot of humans inside, pulling themselves away from community, uh, pushing themselves to exclusively live in these safe places, 
um, and not pushing themselves to any degree in terms of like, I want to be careful with that, that word choice, just because I'm not trying to say pushing yourself to be something that you're not or pushing yourself in the capitalistic sense, but pushing yourself to feel as if you're a part of humanity outside and feeling as if you are connected. And, and trust me, like I'm the pot calling the kettle black here, but it's, we are as isolated as we have ever been. Yeah, yeah. We, It is honestly, in my opinion, as much of an epidemic as our epidemic is that we are now creating these forms of isolation um, that are so prolific and humans are not supposed to be isolated. Yeah, we're like, social creatures. Exactly. And, and not just that, like I'm a loner through and through. I love it. I love my alone time. I need that space. I can't function without alone time. But at the same time, I know that it's an issue for me. And I know that a large portion of my mental health is affected by the fact that I struggle to find myself placed in a community, a physical community. Because again, like technology affords us a lot of amazing things. Social media affords us a lot of amazing things. And I remember being on TikTok being like, wow, I've made so many cool friends. Like, shit, I really wish these people were in my life because I just feel as if I would be so much more active. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had created like my social anxiety got so much worse. So, so, so much worse. And I know there's so many other people who are dealing with the same exact thing um, that through the pandemic have become so like scared of, I don't remember how to socialize with people. Um, or like, I don't remember how to feel connected to a physical world. Um, and that's a very scary thing, at least like for me, that was a really scary realization because I didn't know how to feel healthy out and about in the world. Like my energy levels changed, like everything about me changed. I became like a drastically unhealthy person, at least in, in my opinion. Like I wasn't, I just, I wasn't myself. Um and I remember my mom is, is somebody, she walks a lot. She's outside a bunch. She, again, she's very much so like a naturalist that like she doesn't really like, she doesn't get technology. Maybe it's because of the age, maybe it's because she <laughs> like it, yeah. but um, she is a lot, <laughs> just in what I observe, a lot happier of a person. Um, and I, I know that like a lot of, especially first gen kids whom, you know, they want their parents or like children of immigrants who want their parents to understand and like, you know, at least to some degree, understand what's going on mental health wise. But a lot of times, one of the best things that I've ever heard from my mom is like, go outside, <laughs> go outside, yeah. go outside child, um, get the vitamin D, get the B12. Like there's a lot of very realistic things that we are now we've eliminated from like the human diet. And, and I mean that in the, in the broad sense, like we are not connecting to the extent that we have, and especially in America, like we are at the utmost of individual experience. And again, that has brought along a completely separate set of issues. And for me, one of those big, really, really big issues is that none of us know how to heal anymore. Um, and the issue is, is that healing, especially like generational or community healing, it happens as a community, a lot of healing, all this stuff happens on a collective scale. We don't, you don't just do, you don't just fix one link in the chain and expect the chain to be completely fixed. All the links either need to get changed or one link needs a little bit more. One link needs a little bit less. Like (laughs) I was going to bring up blockchains and that's kind of the point. Like 
each node in a blockchain exists individual to itself. But again, even though it's individualistic, it needs to function in a set of others. It is, it is referential. Mm-hmm. Um, in humans, and what we need to do and how we accomplish it is through referential action. We need collective action. We need all these people actually sitting together and going, how do I work with you? How do I work with you? How do I fix things with you? What can I learn from you? Yada, yada, yada. Um, And it's, I honestly, like I, this is like one of the only areas that I genuinely feel just at such a loss of words Yeah. because there's nothing, you can't tell somebody your, your life is too convenient. Like so many people have worked to get to this point to have that convenience, to have that leisureliness. Um, And I get it. Like, I, I, I get it. But at the same time, like screaming at people and trying to be like, make your life harder so it gets better. It, it doesn't make yeah. sense. Yeah. It's because, again, people are very averse to pain and they think that is painful until they get into a situation, a forced situation where they're like, wait, that was actually fun. That's a new feeling. I like when my brain works like that, you know, where I like. I actually liked being away from my phone. I liked having conversations with people. I think people just need to kind of be in these forced experiences. And, you know, hey, maybe that's why we're all going through so much right now is because we kind of need to go through some pain in order to understand and remember, like, what actually feels good to us. Again, I don't want people to go through real pain. But at the same time, isn't that part of the human condition as well? Like, isn't that part of life? It's the, it's the joy and the pain and the, the, the happiness and the sorrow, you know, it's, it's, it's all about the full spectrum. So I, I definitely, um, I appreciate hearing your perspective on that. I, I, I agree. And I feel like I really identify with you as well because maybe it's because I, we're both Taurus moons, <laughs> but I'm the same way where I like really need my alone time. And then I'll, I'll hit the point where I'm like, I really like this, but I, I feel far away and I don't know how to connect. And it, it's, it's like, I really got to put effort into it. So Anyway, Chandler, sorry, we have to wrap up. We went a little over with you and we've just had so much fun talking to you. We will, you, we will have to have you back if you want to come back on because you just have, this has been an amazing conversation. Tell everyone where they can find you, um, how they can work with you. if For sure. So it's, I'm a little bit um, at a lack of my technology currently, um, but uh, you can find me on TikTok at underscore futurist underscore um that is the only account (laughs) yeah and you can find my personal sadly right now like business accounts i think that the best way to contact me is just going to be through my personal instagram um and just dming me on there that is the best way currently do mind you my website is literally like a hop and a skip away but um (laughs) my personal is (laughs) I think y'all are going to chuckle. My personal is C-U-L-T cult underscore kid. Um, and <laughs> Never join a cult. <laughs> That's why. Um, so I'll show your mom. Yeah, shout out, shout out. Um, so it's cult underscore kid. You can DM me there and I'm happy to figure out. I also price on a sliding scale dependent on what is best for you. And we discuss custom ways to build whatever you want to build towards. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where you can find me currently. Those are my contacts. Thank you so much. We will put that information in the show notes. So everyone, if you didn't catch that, you can just go to the show notes of this episode and you can click and you'll be connected with Chandler directly. Chandler, thank you so, so much for being here. This is amazing. Um, 
Yeah. We'll have to have you back, like we said, and just hope you have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you, guys. Big thanks. Thank you so much, Chandler. Of course. All right, everyone. Until next time. Keep on blooming. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to get in touch for a reading with Ambi, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast.